Amen. So uh, talking about how important worship is, is awkward, I want to acknowledge that. First and foremost, as a child, I was actually yelled at uh, by my pastor for being involved with sports on Sunday morning. So I get it. Talking about how important it is to be here on Sunday morning is a weird and awkward thing. And I've had several conversations with folks in this church and beyond it who really aren't sure why we have to gather every week to do all of this, whether it's because of bad experiences in other churches or with other priests or pastors, or even just because worship hasn't ever been a life-changing experience, there are a lot of people uh, who have just found a deeply spiritual life beyond the walls of the church, and why is that not okay? So hear me say, I think that's fine. I really do. I think that's perfectly fine. In fact, I spent most of my childhood Uh, sort of tangentially uh, attached to the local church. On most Sundays, I was either playing soccer or my mom would take me and my sister to the barn to clean manure out of stalls and mend fences and ride horses. That was our sacred time. It was our own time away from everyone else, and I loved it, and I got to know God through it. I think having that kind of sacred ritual that allows you to exhale the stress of the past week and to inhale the grace of God in a present moment is so important. We need those times of Sabbath where we're just focused on the peaceful presence of God in us and around us. Those simple moments keep us grounded and at peace. So I get it. Coming to worship can feel an awful lot like a chore It can be difficult to find the motivation to get up and out the door and sit in a room surrounded by people whose names you can almost remember but not quite remember. And it becomes even more difficult if the memories that you have of worship involve things like judgment and exclusion or shame. So it's way easier to just have a lazy morning in or to eat brunch with friends that you've known for a long time, or just find a moment of peace in a weekend or Sabbath. Those are not bad things. They're incredibly important things, actually. Being connected to friends and family in an intentional way is essential to our peace. But there is a reason we gather for worship. And scripture, I think, is the best way the best lens into what can happen when we do. In the passage we read just a few moments ago, which, Diane, your voice carries. (laughs) I love it. Teacher voice. Yeah, I think that's right. But in the passage we read just a few moments ago, Peter and John are returning back to the first community that had devoted themselves to Jesus. We think of this group as the first church. And y'all, there's a lot to know about these people. They were a people who had stepped into a completely new reality. They had left all of their old identities of power and privilege or powerlessness and marginalization to live a completely new life with a completely new family, which is why there's there's a reason that they refer to one another as brothers and sisters. They actually thought about themselves that way. 
They were part of a completely new family, a new tribe of people whose identity was rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and not in a bloodline or heritage or a culture specifically. They gathered together because of a new kind of kinship that was unique and challenging to the status quo. And so naturally, worship together was an identifying marker for the group. They met in homes, they met in community spaces, and even on the porch of the temple to sing, to pray, to read scripture, and to care for one another. Worship, as we know it, sprang up from those kind of community habits formed in the first century. Those habits are defining qualities of our tribe. The prayers and the songs and the scripture and celebrating Holy Communion, they all remind us of our identity, and they align us with our communal work to proclaim the good news that God offers new life to every person who will join in this new thing. There's no bar to entry except to commit and love and fellowship to the needs of others in that community. Worship is meant to reconnect us with the community of faith and draw us into the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. So in this passage that Diane read just a few moments ago, again, we see Peter and John return to church from a council meeting of religious leaders that we call the Sanhedrin. And they had ordered Peter and John to stop telling people about Jesus and stop healing people. The council threatened Peter and John's life and then sent them back to this first church. And as soon as they got to their new sisters and brothers in the church, they shared their news. They explained that they had been threatened for healing someone who was sick and for sharing the good news of resurrection. And then the people's response is really what amazes me most. They didn't respond with some, like, some defeat and angst. They didn't obey what the Sanhedrin had told them to do. They gathered together and read a liturgical reading of the second psalm. That's how they gathered together. They read the second psalm and then prayed for renewed confidence and strength to do all of the work required to spread the good news more than they had ever done before. And as soon as they prayed this prayer, they read the liturgical reading, they prayed together the prayer in community, and God's response was immediate, dramatic, and confirming for the whole community. Scripture tells us the ground itself was shaken, and every person was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking with absolute confidence. So, <laughs> this week has been a weird week here at North Decatur, uh, filled with about every emotion you could look for. Uh, we received a kind of rebuke this week. It wasn't from a council, but it was from another religious group. On Tuesday, uh, two middle-aged men stood outside our church on the sidewalk with a sign and a bullhorn shouting words of condemnation and judgment for our church. Uh, and actually, actually, I have a picture of it. Yeah, so it's not a great picture, but there they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they were confident and vocal 
about this church being in judgment from God. I was told specifically that my degree from seminary is sending me to hell, so if you wondered, now we know. Thank you, Brandon. I was told that God would bring judgment down on our church because we offer a safe place for every person to grow close to God in a community of love. I was told through the speaker of a bullhorn that God is filled with judgment and anger and hate for me, specifically, and that God would bring an end to our community because of our lack of So that was exhausting. It was scary, it was overwhelming, and it was lonely. I was just sitting out here in the parking lot, waiting for the police to come. And I, was, I felt very alone there. And so after all of that, I really felt a need to return, like Peter and John, to a community of faith to pray. To pray through the liturgy of worship, to renew our vision and our calling to proclaim the good news again after this. You see, we need one another. Worship isn't just a chore that we've been forced into participating in. Worship reminds us of our identity as siblings with Jesus Christ. Worship renews our strength to stand up against evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Worship rekindles our confidence in the gospel. Worship aligns us with the Spirit of God, which is still active and present in us, through us, and beyond all of us every moment of the day. So passionate worship isn't just about completing a chore. Passionate worship actually changes our lives. So I hope that you do continue to take time to be in Sabbath with God. We need that. And if it means you're not here every Sunday, that really is so fine. But we need you here too. Not because of institutional stuff, but because you're a part of the community. And we've been tasked with changing the world through the transformative love of Christ. And I truly believe when we pray together, when we sing songs together, when we read scripture together, we join God in changing everything. Each of us is a part of that work, which leads to a much more joyful image from this week. Uh, at the end of a long day, Alfred, who works uh, here throughout the week, um, really maintaining all of our facilities for us, Alfred took a video of another uh, uh, visitor to our parking lot. Um, uh, yeah. So this woman, oh, you can't really see it so well. This woman pulled into our parking lot, didn't, couldn't get to a parking space because she needed to stop her car and get outside to praise God. She got out of her car. Speakers, you can't hear it because of the sound of traffic, so we just muted the video, but she's singing and dancing to praise music coming out of her car. And when I think about the kind of witness that happens here throughout the week, and you put this incredible woman next to 
a picket sign, and a bullhorn, the kind of transformative presence is so apparent of what we need. The difference is astounding to me. Do we worship by fear and hatred? Or do we worship with absolute abandon, willing and able to celebrate the love of God no matter where we are? That's the question for us. What is passionate worship? It is a woman pulling into a parking lot during rush hour traffic to give praise to a God that we all love. Amen. Amen. So I really just have one prayer for all of us, that our worship too would spill out all over the community just like this woman's did. I pray that our passion would overwhelm us enough to do exactly that, to pull our cars over and worship with passion, unafraid about whether we're doing it right or wrong, but just being in the full presence of God. I'm so grateful to worship with y'all. I really am. And I'll be honest, I needed to see you today. So thank you so much for being present to worship a God who is larger than all of us. Amen. (laughs) Love you. Um, Before we take up uh, this morning's offering, would you join me in a moment of prayer? Oh, actually, I've been told uh, that I need to remind folks more often, um, if you... uh, Don't carry checks with you because no one does. Although if you do, I'm sorry, that sounded sounded weird. I know, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't carry checks, so you can cast your judgment on me for that. So, uh, but if you do not carry checks, there's an easy way to give to the church online. The front page of our church website has a give option in the right hand corner. You can just click that, and you can actually set up automatic um, uh, uh, giving, what is that called? Automatic tithes? Auto pay, that's it, auto draft. Y'all are so much smarter than me. I love this. Thank you. Whatever that is, you can set it up to automatically withdraw funds from your account so that you don't have to think and worry about it throughout the week. So having said that, let's pray. Oh, good and gracious God, we thank you for a life fully lived. We thank you for experiences of pain and difficulty that remind us how important it is to have community on which to lean. And we thank you for community that goes out of its way to lift us up in times of hardship. And God, we thank you for joyful experiences that spill out with so much passion that we can do nothing but pull our car over and give praise. All of these, God, we give you thanks for. Knowing that you are present in all of them, reminding us of the sacred covenant that you have called us to of love and hope and transformation for all of the world. And God, we pray that you would live in our lives in such a way that we would know it to be the case. That we would never be alone or feel alone. Constantly surrounded by your great love for each of us. 
And God, we pray as we gather together in this room as one body, calling one another sisters and brothers, that you would pour out your love for us, reminding us of the gifts that we have so that we might use them to strengthen and and build the kingdom that you have put into our hands so that all might know your love through Christ. Amen.